Hello everyone and welcome to episode one of The Copping Mechanism. This is a new podcast that I'm going to be doing every week probably, or hopefully at least, um, and we're going to be discussing music in uh, in general. Uh, I'm going to try and get some guests on various weeks to, to discuss different particular in areas of music that they have interest in or are passionate about or involved in depending on on who I can get on but when I don't have a guest and also probably for at least part of the episodes where I do have a guest we're going to have me reviewing various albums that have been out recently and because this is the uh, the first episode I'm taking perhaps a slightly longer time scale than I will be in in some other episodes because uh, I've got things that are a couple of weeks old that that didn't just come out on the Friday just gone. I'm recording this on a uh, on a Sunday, um, which obviously has given me two days to listen to the albums that came out on Friday the 29th. So those uh, reactions are a little bit fresher, a little bit less time to sink in, perhaps than some of the other albums I'm going to talk about on this list, which came out. Either last Friday, the twenty uh, second. That's that's what seven take, uh, taken away from twenty nine is. Um, or on the on the fifteenth, uh, two weeks ago, because I got one album from then. Um, but we're going to start off with. Uh, I think we will go in in the, in a sort of chronological order. So we'll start off with that album that did come out on the fifteenth. Uh, this is Charlie XCX uh, with her new record recorded um it was described as a as a quarantine album so i i assume that means that i mean obviously it was recorded during quarantine uh i'm not sure how much of the songwriting was exclusively done uh since the start of the the pandemic and and everyone staying at home all the time um it doesn't feel too rushed i i was surprised actually at at how I don't want to say professional because it it is a professional album. You know, she's a well-established musician, but it didn't feel rushed, which I think is the uh, the key thing here. And it's it's tougher than it would sound. Obviously, this was all sort of recorded, mixed, mastered, etc. In basically a month uh, there or thereabouts. I I don't know again the the exact time scales, but um, that's sort of what I've heard about it. And uh, you would perhaps expect then that, that some of the mixing would be off, that that there would be some issues in, in the sound and, and the quality of, of the recording, and, and that's certainly not the case. Uh, the songwriting is a, is a different matter. I like a lot of the tracks on this album. Uh, well, I like a few of the tracks on this album. It's It's... I would say a fairly average. I don't say I don't mean average in the sense that it's like average compared to or mediocre. I don't mean mediocre. I mean that it's average for what you would expect from Charlie XCX. It doesn't do anything that surprised me. It doesn't do anything that I would not have expected from her. It doesn't really hold my interest um, in in any any kind of distinct way compared to her previous albums it doesn't really do anything anything too new although i say that there are things in here that i wasn't necessarily expecting to hear from charlie xcx but they are things that i've heard from from other people 
So, for example, if we look at the second track on on the album, Forever, um, and I don't want to, I don't want to accuse anyone here of ripping off one way or the other, because I, I think the the inspirations here are, are fairly circular, fairly cyclical. Uh, but Forever gave me a lot of kind of vibes that. Uh, a couple of the tracks on um, the 100 Gex record uh, did, um, which is, you know, that has become sort of like a, uh, uh, I don't want to say a meme, um, but it has that sort of internet culture link that has led to it being, or, or led to it taking up a place in the culture that is very similar to that that Death Grips took up. I I think not in musical style. They're completely different. Although I'm ninety percent sure that record did sample Death Grips at one point. Uh, but it's it's become overhated and over sort of taken as a as a sign of of what someone's personality is in the way that Death Grips did. Uh, and not unjustifiably, because it does have a following among these communities. It definitely does, and they are annoying. They are deeply, deeply annoying people. But so am I, uh, and I like this record. But I'm not part of that. I mean, I I don't like it anywhere near as much as as some people do. But it's fine. Uh, the, there are some good tracks on there. There are some not so good tracks on there. Much like with this Charlie XCX record, but forever, especially, and I wouldn't have necessarily picked up on this if she hadn't actually already worked with them on that remix of the the song Ringtone. Uh, but that did sort of twig uh, as as a connection in my mind that they were together, that they uh, that they had collaborated before, so that they they were sort of musically linked in in that way, and I think that's why some of the vibes, some of the the vocal manipulation on forever some of the uh the background stuff um reminded me a lot of that 100 gex record and it's uh it's a decent song it's not my favorite on the album by any means but it is a a, a decent enough track and it is very much that that chorus that that really does remind me of of 100 gex there i don't think there's too much more to say about the song it's it's good it's pleasant enough it doesn't do anything other than the the sort of link it has in in my mind maybe you'll you'll disagree if, if you listen to it but the link it has in my mind to another artist is is the only real thing in that song that i i think is worth discussing in in any detail but looking at the uh, the rest of the track list here, Pink Diamond, first track on the album, good album opener. Uh, it, it does have the the sort of quasi rap uh, stuff in it to to an extent. Uh, in a way, again, that reminds me of another kind of annoying internet culture artist that this one I don't like, uh, which would be uh, Caro Caro Benito um, band, which which I have never been into, but which are, are loved, uh, and I think probably by a lot of the same people that, that like 100 Gex and, and like Charlie XCX. Um, 
and when we get into the, the sort of verses on Pink Diamond, I think that link is is very apparent. Unlike Caro Caro Benito, this does not rub me up the wrong way. This does not just sort of really annoy me in the way that, that KKB does. So it, it sort of works a lot better. However, some of the production choices on Pink Diamond I'm not particularly in love with. Some of the uh, the just sort of explosions of noise at the end of some of the rap verses, you go back into the chorus and there's the synths there are, are not great. They sort of overload you a bit, I think. But um, overall, it, it sort of does... I see what the appeal is. I, I It's not really what I would, would say is fantastic but uh yes yeah, certainly not again the the worst song on the album um claws if if you've been keeping up with charlie xdx claws may well be the uh the song on the album that you've heard already because it was the i think the lead single for for this project and um it's pretty good it's it's fun it's well produced it's Certainly uh, an enjoyable song. It's it's quite light. Um, but it's not really one that I think is going to stick in the uh, in the memory too much. It doesn't have a lot that I think keeps your interest over a long time. But while you're listening to it, it's uh, it's good. It's it's certainly enjoyable. That's the, the sort of opening kind of quarter of the record there out of the way and I don't think I'm going to spend yeah the in-depth I, mean, I don't think I'm going to do the 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 track by track necessarily all the way um however I do want to talk about seven years which has a lot of things in it that, that I just don't think come together the chorus on this I cannot for the life of me work out what the issue is but it really really rubs me up the wrong way there is something off about it not in the sense that lyrically there's any issue with it. I don't think that's the the case. But there's something about her vocals on Seven Years that, that just rubs me the wrong way. I, I I wish I could explain it, but it just gives me this sort of off feeling. Like there's something wrong. This should not be here. This does not fit. And I don't know quite why might be that i'm i'm sort of predisposed to to dislike songs called 7 years after after lucas graham but i don't think that's it um the next couple of tracks on the record are fine they're not really giving a a, a lot of of interesting elements to talk about they're perfectly acceptable pop tracks they're they're sort of what i would expect from from Charlie XCX given these sorts of time and, and recording constraints and the sort of direction that the, the overall album is is taking these songs are what you would expect so that they're, they're not too interesting but then you come on to the the let the latter stages of the record uh, there there are a few more bits of interest I mean Party for You and and Visions are, are fine again. They're they're what you they're at that sort of six to to seven that that a lot of the 
the less interesting stuff on this record is, and, and a lot of the less interesting Charlie XCX stuff in general is. Um, but I finally understand, I think is probably my, my favourite track on here by quite some distance, and then probably Claws as a, as a second. But I finally understand really is just a, a wonderful song. It, it the, the chorus on it really just hits that that spot it's it's it is kind of flat in a way her her vocals not flat in the sense that she's missing a note but flat in the sense that it is sort of mono, monotone ish not not quite but i i think that really works in the song's favor it does give that sort of vibe that that i think really helps connect the uh, the message of the song but um then immediately after as is i find a lot of the time that the case uh on on records in in general we have my favorite song i finally understand and then we have far and away my oh no well i say far and away my least favorite song there are two on this record that i don't like uh but c 2.0 is is definitely one of them um I like the first sort of 40 or 50 seconds of it quite a bit. I think there's a lot in in that uh, to, to enjoy it is sort of fairly chilled out in a way, but there is that kind of underlying energy there with, with the synths. But the vocal manipulation on this song, I, I can't, I, I really can't get on with. Um, it's fine when the pattern is repeating when there's a couple of words that are being done like this again it it does have that kind of gex sound which i think again is a is a very cyclical thing they were probably inspired by some of the charlie stuff as much as this record feels inspired by some of that stuff um but then towards the end of the first minute they strip back the uh, the words there's there's a few i can't really make out the words when they are manipulated in the way that they are but you can tell it's uh, it's a fourth sentence and then it's stripped back to to one single repeating manipulated syllable and it is one of the most grating things i've heard not just on this record but in any song i've heard this year it really is just driving itself into your brain like an ice pick it is just click 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 and and in this horribly horribly sort of pitched vocal manipulation that that just does not sound good in in any way and then for the rest of the song pretty much you know charlie comes back in with the vocals after after about 30 seconds of, of this isolated sound but it's still there underneath it's still just blaring underneath the vocals the whole rest of the song and it is insufferable it really really is and i cannot understand i mean i've seen people praise this track and it just does not make sense to me it is as I say, the one of the most grating sounds I've heard in in any record this year, um, not just not just this one. And then 
the only other song on here really worth talking about is is anthems this is the most i would say the most explicit song dealing with quarantine dealing with the lockdown etc um and it starts off really really well for the first few seconds because there's this sort of synth sort of repeated pattern here going on just a just a kind of very reminiscent of like the sort of euro dance stuff that was popular in in the mid 2000s and and it lasts precisely long enough for you to remember who bass hunter is and then once you've remembered who bass hunter is charlie xcx comes in with her vocals and just tanks the song unbelievably it is i find explicit songs dealing with the uh, the lockdown and, and the pandemic to be it's an uphill battle to get me to like one of those songs anyway because you know i don't need to hear about this i'm living through it we're all living through it and you know i'm living through it in a way that's that's got me feeling a lot less uh, a lot less anxious and, and a lot less worried than than most people and i just feel like yeah i'm i mean i i would feel bad talking about how this is affecting me because you know i have a job where i can work from home i i'm not staring a redundancy in the face at the moment how can you uh, how how can you you make a song like this like i don't understand it i i feel fraud i would feel fraudulent making making any kind of statement like this to someone and then you go the level up and 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 you know this is a very successful musical artist this is someone who almost certainly has a lot more you know resources than than i do i would imagine unless she's getting stuffed like massively stuffed on her contracts you know i i don't know that maybe she is maybe she's like queen were in the early days where they're they're you know number one hits and and whatever and, and living in a bedsit but somehow i doubt it and to to do this it just feels so false and and i i just i cannot stand this song it's like also some of the things that she chooses to complain about they they just seem so trivial so frivolous it, it just really does rub me up up the wrong way um not to the extent of that that celebrity uh, imagine cover but it is the same feeling it does give me that feeling to a a lesser extent certainly but it gives me that same just visceral repulsion that 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 cover did um it is it's bad folks uh but i think that pretty much covers the uh, the charlie xcx record um there's things to listen to in there. There's things to like about it. Uh, certainly, the the first sort of three songs I I thought were were all good, uh, but but certainly not spectacular. But but they were worth listening to. Um, I finally understand. I I really do like, and and it is probably single handedly pushing up the uh, the tone of this review quite a bit. Listening to to a to a music show like this, I feel like you probably should be getting recommendations out of it. You should be getting uh, 
you know, information out of it that whether or not maybe you you want to check this out and i would broadly say that that this record is still worth listening to there are bits on it that, that really rub me up the wrong way but i can also see how some people would would enjoy those elements of it that i didn't like and and i think that most people should should probably check this out however i will say if if you listen to uh charlie xx's last album and you disliked it and you you really can't get on with the the sort of off kilter you know angle that she's taking ta- trying to take pop music at don't give this a listen it, it won't if you're already firmly in the negative camp on on her work this will not change your mind uh but if you either liked some of her her previous work or haven't really ever checked her out beyond something like Boom Clap, which was obviously a much more radio-friendly sound that she had at that point. Um, If you haven't really checked her out beyond that or or haven't listened to her at all, definitely give it a go. Obviously, if you you like Charlie XCX, you don't need me to recommend this to you because you've almost certainly already listened to it. Uh, But yeah, not, not a bad record by any means. Okay, and after that, that Charlie XCX album, which... Throughout my entire review, I don't think I said the name of once. It is called How I'm Feeling Now, and and obviously it's available on all. I believe it's available on all major streaming platforms and and you know digital retailers and and so on. Uh, but now we move on to the albums which came out last week. Charlie XCX. That's a, a couple of weeks old at this point, but now. Two major albums out last week, one, two in the UK charts, and we're going to start with this week's number one album, the 1975 Notes on a Conditional Form, their fourth studio album, and it is a 1975 album. That is mostly, yeah, that covers it. It's a 1975 album. Have you listened to another one? Did you like it? If you did, check this out. If you didn't, if you really, really didn't like them, and there are a lot of people that are like that, I know plenty that that find the 1975 to be completely insufferable, to be so far up themselves they can't see the sun, etc., etc., etc. If you're in that camp, this will not change your mind. Much like the Charlie XCX album, this is, you know, it's it's one for the fans. Uh, however, I have always been not not quite exactly in the middle on them. I've, n- I've not been indifferent to them, but I've, you know, generally had a mixed opinion on 1975 albums. The first one was fine. You know, there were some good tracks in there and Chocolate was catchy, but not in a, not in a great way. Uh, not in a way that that made me like the fact that it was in my head all the time. Their second album, I think, is not quite front to back wonderful, but it's far and away their most consistent record. It's it's more consistent than this certainly, and uh, I really enjoy some of the songs on there. You know, "Ballad of Me and My Brain" made it onto my hundred best songs of the decade list, which yeah fair compliment i mean it did not make it on there particularly high and had i had more than one song per artist it wouldn't have made it on there but it was on there but now in 2020 
what do the 1975 have to offer us? And the answer to that is, again, a mixed bag. I mean, the opening track is a spoken word piece mostly. I mean, obviously there's some instrumental going on under it, but it's it's Greta Thunberg, the environmental activist, giving a speech which is adapted from, I believe, the, the speech that she gave the UN or, or some sort of world climate forum. Um, and, you know, it is obviously, given the, the nature of, of what it is, it is by definition preachy, which you know, is not necessarily a bad thing. The environment is, of course, a, a very important issue, and, and you, know, you can argue till the cows come home over whether this is a, an effective method of, of of delivering that message and that's not something that I want to talk to myself about so I won't be discussing it on this podcast where I don't have any guests um so yeah you don't you don't need to hear me arguing with myself on that issue but all I will then say about this is that you know no matter what side of, of any of these issues you you stand on I think if you listen to this speech you get the sense of why she has been able to inspire people. You know, if if you're if you're someone who believes that all of this is is trumped up, um, I think you can at least understand the the craft that goes into this. If you're someone who is is pro extinction rebellion, you'll you'll listen to this speech and and go oh that's yeah that's that's it that's the message um and if you're someone who believes that the whole thing is a is a cia psyop to to deter us from real environmental action you'll listen to it and go oh i see why this is effective but it has a lot of these sort of environmental songs or not environmental songs but these sorts of spoken word messages delivered at the start of albums you know there's there's a few albums like that and when the when the whole album isn't a spoken word thing when that isn't the point or focus of the album these sorts of interludes never or, or almost never have any replay value and that is the case here so you see why they put it on there and you see the sort of fire in in that speech, but it is five minutes that you will not want to revisit again. And speaking of minutes, this is a long record. There are 22 songs on here. And I think it comes out sort of, yeah, and one hour and 21 minutes it comes out, which obviously on on your second listen onwards is, is one hour and 16 minutes because you don't have to listen to the first song again. Um, but it's still a long record. But it's not a long record in the streaming economy sense. Like, when I think of an album, when I think of streaming economy albums, I think of you know, lots of tracks, but still coming in, you know, as many tracks as you can get in and get the record to come in under an hour. This is not that. This is a record that they've sat down and they've they've thrown everything at and yeah this has been the case with the 1975 for uh i think all of their studio albums i can't really remember the the length of the that first one but certainly from uh the second album onwards 
they've been long albums and and I think that's just the the method that they want to express themselves in and and obviously if you're a uh, a Matt Healy hater it's um it's the only way that he you know it's him wanting to listen to his own voice for as long as long as possible and as I said before if you don't like the 1975 this won't change your mind similarly if you find Matt Healy's personality to be very abrasive, very obnoxious, uh, pretentious, etc. This won't change your mind at all. He is, yeah, I have always considered him to be someone who is perhaps not as as smart or or talented as as he seems to think he is, as he portrays himself as. as, as. Um, However, I do think he is better i think he's more talented than he is given credit for by by the people that dislike the band uh i think there's definitely something there him and him and george daniel write all the songs together and and they have got something about them perhaps not as much about them as they would like to have but they've got it so with uh, that fairly lengthy preamble out of the way on to the meat of the album and I won't be discussing every single song on this because it is as I say 22 songs long I'm going to start with the the instrumental stuff so there's the end uh, brackets music music for cars which obviously is the sort of overarching title of uh, of a series of, of 1975 albums um, and and EPs and I think basically going back to the the beginning of their career uh Obviously, the the clear influence there is is Brian Eno in in the titling of of this sequence, and I don't agree with it. You know, music for cars. Okay, I I see the concept you're getting out there. Yeah, Brian Eno, obviously, music for airports, ambient one, one of the uh, the great albums of of its genre. Um, but this this interlude, it it does not conjure up the image which the title indicates it does not really you know car airport you could argue i mean depends on your conception of an airport the the old brian eno stuff did it did it conjure up the images that that it claimed to i think that's very subjective however when it comes to cars i think there is a very clear at least cultural uh sort of fabric there like there is there is a very clear cultural image of what car music is what driving music is there is this that sort of depending on the on the genre obviously there are there are different you know it's it's not all rock or it's not all electronic or whatever but there is a, a certain there are certain expectations of tempo and energy that are in driving music you know that 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 is why you see those driving compilations. You don't have Brian Eno on those. And justifiably so, because th- that isn't the image that uh, I think most people want to conjure when uh, when driving. That sort of stayed very calm uh, ambience. And and this track does that fine, you know. It's, it's okay. The instrumental is pleasant enough. It's not spectacular in, in any way. It doesn't really stop you it doesn't really drop your jaw uh but it's fine and that is always 
the 1975's instrumentals, like just instrumental songs. I mean, not not the music behind their songs with vocals on them, but but when it's just the instrumentals, they're always pleasant enough, fine, forgettable. Even Please Be Naked off of the the second record, that really I thought when listening to it the first time that was the highlight as far as the instrumentals on that were concerned. I cannot remember a single piece of it now. And I think that will be the same with with these instrumentals going forward. Um, and as I say, there are there are a few instrumental tracks on here, and they all I mean the, they don't all sound the same. The instrumentals aren't all the same uh, the same sort of sort of vibe or, or even the same instruments going in every time, but they are all forgettable, pleasant, fine, you know. So on to the the more interesting side of the record which is the other tracks the tracks with actual vocals so track two we start off really really kicking it into gear with people which is a song that i did not expect to hear on this record it's very i don't want to say angry i mean it is to an extent angry but it is very sort of high intensity that's that's for sure it's it's sort of a proper rock track if you think the 1975 are are too soft if you think that they're too boring if you're more of of that sort of rock side of things you might enjoy this song actually um you probably will, will listen to it and think it's horribly fake and false and therefore not like it but it does, you know, conjure that sort of intensity and, and, and real kind of punch to an extent. I think the punch is, is mostly because it's the 1975 that are doing it and you're not expecting them to do it. I don't think by itself, you know, if this was on a, a rock album, I don't think it would hit the same way. But yeah, it, there's there's something to, to it. And I was occupied with this song multiple listens it it held me fully in attention but it wasn't because of the music it wasn't because this is so good I have to pay attention to it I was trying to work out what the vocals reminded me of because the first time I listened to it I got idols to an extent and on obviously a much toned down version and and idols are, are decent but that wasn't it I knew it wasn't it but it was where my mind jumped and then I got a little bit of Rao Reynolds for Shikari in some of the... Uh, s- there's just a couple of lines where the tone is the same. Uh, but obviously the actual music there is, is nothing like Shikari and it wasn't quite right. But I think I finally figured it out. About seven or eight listens in, I, I figured out what this song was. And the answer is that, that when Matt Healy's vocals are are sort of... The the project the production choices and the mixing here it is what it reminds me of is the first McCluskey record uh, McCluskey do Dallas it is like that sort of vocals that are the sort of clipped in a way I don't want to say clipped that's not right but but they sort of are subservient in in a sense to the guitar they are kind of not background but they sound like they're coming from an amp. Like, 
they don't sound like studio vocals so much. They they sound they've been produced in in such a way that that they have that kind of not quite live but but very raw feel um, to them. And it really is like the first McCluskey record is is all I can think of when I hear this song. And they are not McCluskey. Uh, Matt Healy does not carry it off anywhere near as convincingly. Um, their style of songwriting is is not suited to that type of of delivery and that type of anger. It doesn't really work. But I admire the attempt greatly because I was not expecting to hear anything in this record that shocked me. You know, I was expecting it to be a 1975 album and to do the things that we know that 1975 does four albums into their career. And it didn't do that, which is nice. Uh, but there are songs on here that, that are much more conventionally 1975. Like, Yeah, I Know sort of is, The Birthday Party is, and, and I Think There's Something You Should Know is. And they're fine. They're, there's nothing really to say about them. They don't have... You, know, you will know if you like them. You will know if you hate them. Because it's like the 1975's earlier stuff. You know, it, it won't do anything to, to really hook you in if, if you're not already a fan. And it won't do anything to turn you off if you are. There are some tracks on here that don't do that in addition to, uh, in addition to people, though. And I want to talk about a few of them. So... One thing that does actually stick out, even in some of the more conventional songs, uh, but certainly in, in, in some of the the less conventional songs as well, um, there's a lot of 90s in this, in this album. There's a lot of sort of 90s UK urban stuff coming through, particularly in the percussion. Um, and then there's some, some sort of 90s house keyboards at a couple of points. And looking at my notes, I mean, Frail State of Mind does have that sort of 90s house feel on on some of the the keys um that that are in there um and then you know you go down further and it really does become apparent that they are sort of drawing on that music which given the the age of the members was sort of probably coming out when they were in their in their teens um so it, it probably holds a a fairly special place for them i, I would imagine um that that sort of garage type type stuff, uh, and then you have shiny collarbone where uh, they bring in Cutty Ranks, who is a a pretty well known uh, MC, someone who you know would would for for someone from that context, I imagine would would probably you know know that it's not a name that I was intimately familiar with. I'm I'm not a big dancehall guy. Um, but he gives a he he gives a feature on on the track, shiny collarbone, and and they sort of utilize him very well, uh, in the sense that he sort of is I, the vocals are, are mixed fairly low, um, and there's there's a quite a bit of sort of echo and 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 so on there, or not not really echo, but he he sounds distant in a way. You know, he's, he's sort of, it's like those those YouTube videos that you get, which are, you know, this song playing in another room, etc. 
there's there's a lot of sort of adaptations of that and, and developments of that idea, but that really is the 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 thing I'm getting here. It's it's Cutty Ranks is is over in the the next room. You know, this is you at some sort of awful house party, and you're in the garden, uh, and then that's what's going on inside, or you're awkwardly in the kitchen, and that's what's going on in the garden. Uh, and I think that's probably what they were going for. Um, or I like to imagine it's what they were going for. And I think they've definitely achieved that. That is I that is a song that I find intensely evocative. Um, even though perhaps musically it's, it's not one of the more complex songs on the album. And it's not something that I would have... Uh, expected to go into this and, and like the the idea of the 1975 featuring a dancehall MC is is a a bad idea it sounds a bad idea at least but it works they they carry it off admirably and then on the subject of things that I find intensely evocative me and you together song this is probably one of the more conventional tracks on here it, it very much you know it, it's it's got a very clear kind of riff to it it's very catchy um it feels probably more like their first album i would say than almost anything else on the record if we would fit in quite well there but the songwriting is is a lot more mature than than chocolate which you know they wrote when they were older than i am now which is intensely funny um, but me and you together song it, the, the second verse contains one of I what, what I would probably consider to be one of the best lyrical passages in, in any song so far uh, this year not just not just on this project and I was not expecting to say that about anything in this record because their lyrics have always been very they've they've been poetic in a sense but not in a good sense they've they've been you know the the quickest way to 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 get the the criticisms of Matt Healy and and the perceived arrogance and pretentiousness is to listen to some of their lyrics but on this song you know the the second verse it starts off with you know the the lyrics are i had a dream we had a kid you'd cook i'd do the nappies and then the it after that, it follows, it follows it up. We went to Winter Wonderland and it was shit and we were happy. Which, that sort of two or three lines there is just, like, the the, the sort of feeling that, that that conjures up in... I don't know if, if that'll do it for everyone, but, I mean, if you've ever been to Winter Wonderland, that lyric is... is going to to hit something in you even if you've not necessarily been in the context that that he's talking about just the knowledge of of what that place is like and and what people look like going there really does conjure something up yeah that that just awful overpriced tacky cramped generally miserable experience but you're there you're with this person, and it's 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 magical, uh, and that's a that's a a really 
you know, an image that I, I feel does strike a, a chord and probably will strike a chord for anyone that's been to Winter Wonderland. Um, and yeah, that's that sort of elevated me and you together song from a, a pretty standard sort of love song to a, to one that, that really, really is worth listening to and, and worth repeating. Um, and then... Yeah, there's a, there's another couple of, I mean, there's there's quite a few love songs on this album, but um, Jesus Christ 2005, God Bless America, is one, and and that's one that sort of plays with with gender to an extent. You have Healy singing uh, about a, a male romantic connection, and there's a, a feature, uh, a female vocalist featuring on that, and and singing about a uh, a woman on on their end of things as well and, and you know that's not by itself something that, that makes the song good but it, it is a, a deeply sweet song it, it's produced very well uh, the sort of tone that, that you get out of what's been what's been done to, to Healy's voice it's, it's not auto-tuned but it is sort of filtered and, and mixed in a way that, that it's sort of blends really well with the instrumentals um i think the female singer's voice blends slightly less well but it does mean it does have the advantage of of making her vocal line a bit more intelligible um which is good because i i think lyrically her side of the song is stronger slightly than healy's is not by much but but slightly um yeah, and uh, as I say, this is this is an exhausting record to listen to, though, because it is you know one hour, twenty one minutes. That's a a long old time to to sink into uh, to an album from from a band like the nineteen seventy five, especially where you you go in thinking you know what you're going to get, and it does subvert that in points. There are points in this record that make me sit up that make me go, oh, I wasn't expecting that. You know, Roadkill is another one. It's basically a country song. Um, and it's fine. It's not, that doesn't necessarily, you know, just, just the, the novelty of, of the 1975 doing that doesn't actually make it a great song, but it's certainly serviceable. It's it's not going to win uh, win him any awards or, or any plaudits necessarily, but it's, it's pretty good. Um yeah, and I, I would say overall that, that this album is definitely worth giving a listen to. It's it's not going to sort of shake anyone's world, uh, but it will really, you know, it will it will occupy your time for the length of its of its run in a in a way that that won't. This this record is is worth giving a listen. I would say it's you know if if you are even semi uh, you know, if you're even semi into anything that 1975 have, have put out, there will be something in this record for you because I think this pretty much does cover every facet of the 1975's discography. And add some new elements, uh, which is is good for a, for a band on on their fourth album. Um, 
you know, I, I certainly a band like this on their on their fourth album, a band that could be really forgiven for for looking at what they've put out and and going, oh, this is what people want. We don't actually have to to do anything more. Um, and I think that they've they've chosen to to actually, you know, put a bit of 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 different elements into into this record that um, don't always work, but are always at least compelling on on first listen. Yeah, there's certain tracks on here that I don't think have a great deal of replay value. Um, obviously, I've already mentioned the the intro, but other than that, there are, there are some others as well. But uh, yeah, overall, give it a go, unless you already hate the 1975, in which case, just don't bother and you know don't give him attention <laughs> um, because. He's not a person in 1975 and not a band that you can hate out of existence. They are sincere in a way. You know, I, I think that a lot of the uh, the arguments against the 1975 have, have centred around a sort of either implied or explicit fakeness. You know, implied in the sense that oh, this is not as as deep as as it pretends to be, uh, and I, I see the arguments for that. But I think the more important point is: do the members of the band think it's as deep as they portray it to be? And I would say the answer is yes. You know, I think that these people make this music because they genuinely find it to be strong. They genuinely find that they have something to to say. And um, in this case, I'm not sure I agree with them uh, fully, but uh, it's definitely worth hearing them say at least once. So, yeah, once again, 1975, Notes on a Conditional Form, available everywhere. It's a a major release, you know, you know where you'll be able to find it. Um, Yeah, give it a listen. But now, we move. And we've now discussed you know, this week's number one, 1975. But now it's time for the uh, the second biggest record of the uh, of the week. Uh, you know, it's number two album in the country right now, and probably would have been number one if the algorithm for how streaming is counted versus physical sales was uh, was done differently. You know, the the 1975. Seventy percent of their album sales in the last week were physical. Seventy percent of this album's sales were digital. So I think from that we can conclude that if this had a vinyl release, it might have been number one. It is, of course, KSI Dissimulation. First sort of proper album from the man. Um, I am not someone who keeps up with him. I did not watch the boxing fights. I did not listen to any of his music prior to listening to this album. So I hadn't heard any of the songs that were singles. I hadn't heard them as they were released. I hadn't heard any of his prior work. Um, I did, you know, as a as an embarrassing 14-year-old, I did listen to, I did watch some of his, his old FIFA content way back when. But uh, I hadn't really seen anything from him uh in years when i noticed that this album had come out and it was billed as you know an album which was 
there to prove that KSI was serious. You know, that he was in the rap game to be in it, not just as a as a revenue stream. He was in it to to be a serious artist, you know, to to really try and put a mark on the genre. Um and that was what made me decide to listen to it because I heard that, you know, the I was looking at a uh, at a list of albums that were released that week. I was, you know, planning on on doing this podcast and I saw that and I thought I have to check this out because I don't believe that for a second. I do not for one second believe that he is serious about this. And honestly, I think he proved me wrong. You know, I I don't think this album is good. Uh I don't think that it is in any way you know, something that I'll be returning to much after after finishing this review. Uh, obviously, I've listened to it quite a lot in the past week to, to prepare, but I won't really be going back to it. Um, however, I do think you can see the effort. I do think you can see the sincerity in it, which is nice and, and, and certainly better than I was expecting, though my expectations, as you can imagine, were rather low for this. So, KSI, Dissimulation, starts off poor, you know? It's, uh, What You've Been On is the, the opening track, and, and it's, uh, it comes off sort of desperate in a sense. It's very American uh, in, its, in its feel. I don't think you get a lot of the, uh, the UK influence there, which is disappointing because... Um, I, I f- that lends itself to criticism of it as trend chasing, as insincere, unserious, uh, and it did not set my expectations high at all. Um, not much more to say about it. There's nothing memorable enough about it to to criticize further. But then we get to the song, no cat. And this is I, again, you know, at this point we're we're sort of strike two, really. You know, this this is a a swing and a miss. This one, um, the chorus is awful. Um, like it, it really does just grate on you. Um, however, Offset is is featured on this. I think it would be wrong to say that Offset is giving this his all, uh, that, that he is, you know, invested in this in this project in any way. You know, he's been paid for a feature. He shows up. He does feature. He gets paid. Uh, but even him working on that level, on that just, you know, getting get out level is enough to, to sort of save this track. And the beat's not terrible. It's not great. Um it's not great, but it's not terrible at all. You know, he's put himself on a decent set of beats here, KSI, uh, which I think is another thing that, that sort of showcases that uh, sincere desire to actually make this a, a proper project. Um, you know, he's not just gone and, and got people off of Fiverr to do this. There are you know, proper beats on it. There are then again, they're not going to win any awards, but 
he's got people that that know their stuff and 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 can make it a, a decent trap beat for the first couple of songs. Right, following on from uh, No Cap, we get uh, a song that really I think is is one of the highlights on the album. It, it does quite a lot for me, um, though. Yeah, it's probably not the best song on the album, but it's it's one of the better ones. Uh, and that is Poppin' with Little Pump and Smoke Perp. Um, obviously, that is a, a feature that, again, could be accused of being insincere, could be accused of just being trend-chasing, and I think maybe you'd be onto something there. But it is a feature that, that works, you know. Again, never going to win any awards, but... Little Pump is uh, an established artist by now. You know what he sounds like. You know what his flow's like. You know what he brings to a track like this. You know, you, you put Little Little Pump and Smoke Perp on a, on a feature. You know what you're going to get, and they deliver it here. So if you like them, you'll like the song. If you don't like them, if you find them grating, if you think they are you know, one of the the worst things to happen to rap, they're killing rap music, then stay clear of it. It's it's pretty simple, um, and this is this is why you know the first time I listened to this record, I thought it was awful, front to back awful, um, and I described it to my my friends that were that I was sort of chatting with uh, after listening to it. I described it as being mostly boring, bad, but occasionally bad in an interesting way. And I think I've I've come around considerably on it since then. It's mostly now I would say just boring, not boring in a, a not bad, but it's it's mostly fairly mediocre. And then the the stuff that I described as being you know, bad in an interesting way, I'd say still holds true. But some of even some of that's grown on me. And it's one of those songs that we move on to now. And this one is Houdini, uh, featuring Swarms and and. Tion or, or Tyon Wayne. You know, I should have looked that up before recording, but I didn't. Um, and this is a very sort of dancehall-inspired track. It's a it's a very um, sort of Caribbean-feeling track, both in in the beats and just the fact that you've got Swarms and and Tyon Wayne on there, who who you know they they do that type of stuff. They make that type of music, so you know when you see those names featuring that that's where you're going with it. What you don't know, however, is that KSI is going to attempt to do Patois. Yes. Now that that is just not a sentence that I expected to say ever in my life. Not just not just while recording a review of a KSI album, but you know, why would I ever have cause to to say that? But it's true. And the thing is, you know, it's it is fake. You know, I I, it's not convincing. You know, he's not able to do it in a convincing in a convincing way. I don't think, but it is still one of the better tracks on the album because the beat is is very good. It's it's what you would want from a from a beat like this, and even KSI lyrically, you know, this has. Yeah, this song has a, a decent bar in it or two. Yeah, there's, a, there's a bit in his... He only has one verse on this song uh, because it has got two features and, and obviously, you know, it's a, it's a rap album. It's the streaming age. They want to keep the songs 
tight. So if you have two features on a on a record, it's it's unlikely you're going to have two verses, and he doesn't. But in his one verse, yeah, there's a, there's a pretty good line there about Don King that I I thought actually worked quite well. Um, however, it is difficult to get past the uh, the patois here. It really is difficult, um, and I would not blame anyone for for listening to that and going, nope, not for me. Uh, which yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I think it, it does contain some of his his better lyrical flourishes. Uh, oddly enough, and lyrically, you know, this album. I'm not going to lie. Mostly, it's not great. Um, for one thing, a lot of it is is KSI trying to portray himself in a way that just doesn't come off as convincing because he's a man who spent 10 years making YouTube videos. So, of course, it doesn't come off convincing. You know, there's a song on here called Killer Killer where a female R&B singer who I've never heard of and who only is mentioned in the context of KSI, so is presumably personally connected to him in in some way or just someone who has collaborated with him before and and hasn't really achieved any notoriety of her own. Um, But anyway, you know, she sings about how, you know, my man is a killer, etc., etc., in in that chorus. And then KSI comes through and he's rapping, he's trying to to give off this image of him as in a way that just does not work for a man who got notoriety by screaming about packing Iniesta or, you know, Hesky time. It just you 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 can't be that guy and carry this off. Um uh, yeah, obviously pot kettle black, but at the same time I don't go out and and do this. You know, if I if I release a rap song like this, please, please laugh at me for all of eternity. Because I obviously would not be able to to carry it off in a convincing manner. Um and neither is KSI, unfortunately. There is a bar in in this record that really does sort of hit home that. And it is on the song Down Like That. And this is probably the, the one that you are more likely to have heard if you haven't already heard the whole album than any of the others. Because not only is it one of the singles, it's uh, got a lot of features on it. And, um, you know, you, you will either have heard... You'll probably either have heard Down Like That or Houdini. Down Like That has Rick Ross on the track. It has Lil Baby on the track. And it has SX. SX is is fine. You know, does some chorus stuff. And um, Rick Ross is operating at about 15 to 20%. You know, again, this is a man who is here for the check. And why not? Lil Baby is is Lil Baby, which means that it's bad uh, because he is not uh, not really um, very pleasant to listen to, uh, in my opinion. Um, however, if if you like Lil Baby, you'll you'll probably like that feature because it's him being him. Um, but on on the song down like that, KSI finishes out his verse uh, by talking about someone. You know, in in terms that 
really don't work coming out of, of his mouth. Um, you know, he, he talks about someone hanging around with the ops and, and how he's now back with the blocks. Um, and obviously, those words don't work coming out of my mouth either. But again, I'm not rapping them. Um, but, you know, KSI is not a drill rapper. You know, he is not, he doesn't come from that back or, or you know i i don't know too much about his his early life but he certainly isn't known for coming to that you know drill can can carry those sorts of phrases off can can talk that talk because drill rappers are, are going to jail um you know they are clearly not all of them and you know there are there are people within that community that are criticizing other people within that community for, for faking and, and what have you uh, and that's always a, a part of rap to it to an extent but this is this is next level you know ksi saying the word op does not does not work it's not convincing it is pumps and a bump era mc hammer you know it's when hammer tried to do the gangster rap turn uh, and he couldn't do it convincingly so Yes, I would say that um, don't go into this project expecting lyrics that will uh, will convince you. But if you can put behind you, yeah, this is this is the the thing that makes this record again sound like a a, a novelty or, or or an unserious project, which I I don't mean to portray it as. I I, I do firmly believe, uh, and I'm a, I'm a cynical person generally, but I firmly believe that KSI wants this to be successful that he is trying to to make it as good a project as as he can um however successful that may or or may not be in places there is effort here clearly but yeah it's if you can get past the fact that it is ksi uh and that you know if you can get past everything you know about ksi um, or if indeed you haven't heard of him, you don't know anything about him. This record will be better. You know, you will you will enjoy it more than someone who knows who KSI is, how his you know how his arc has progressed in in terms of getting to that uh, that level that he's now at. If you can put all of that behind you, you'll enjoy the record more. Which again just makes it sound unserious, but I promise it is not. It is, you know, it's it's a believable. It's not a believable record in a, in a lyrical sense sometimes, but it's a believable record in the sense that you know you know care went into it, which is more important, I would say, to to an extent. Um, but yeah, I feel bad for a couple of the artists on this song. Uh, on this, not this song on this album i'm i'm not going to lie to you uh you know there's a song on here with with jeremiah who you know this is a man whose debut debut single went four times platinum in the us and 10 years down the road he's on a ksi album and his song has not been released as a single you know he he is on a fifa youtuber's album for for something that isn't even a single um, and you gotta, you know, I didn't go into this album expecting to come out and feel sorry for Jeremiah, but I did. Um, so it's, it's able to surprise me, you could argue. Um, and again, Trippy Red, you know, that, 
the, he does a song with Trippy Red on here. That's fine. Uh, Trippy Red gives a a decent enough uh, performance on it, but but nothing to to write home about. Um, but I do think towards the end of the record, it is where it gets a bit interesting. There's there's a song called Domain, and this is where KSI is his most convincing because. As you might guess from from the title, this one's about the internet. This is about him and and where he's come from. And he does, I think, confront head on the fact that he isn't from that that sort of world that a lot of other rappers and, and you know people in in the industry are. That he is coming at it from that angle of of online, um, and it's it's far and away the. Uh, the best song on the record, I would say, for, for that reason. However, there is a point in the song where the instrumental drops away to, to almost nothing and you're hearing KSI do the chorus, or at least the first couple of lines of the chorus, basically just isolated his vocals. And it sounds bad. Not awful, not awful, but, but bad. You know, he, he should not really... I don't think at this point he he quite has the uh, the vocals necessary to uh, to carry that off. Um, I think a, a good solid beat underneath him improves all of this immeasurably, and to to take that away even for a few seconds really does sort of grate on you. It's it, it does negatively impact the song. Um, and then after that, you have uh, you know, the last couple of songs on the album. Millions is is more of a an emotional song. It, it deals with fake friends. It deals with some other stuff. I think it's not good. It's it is um, a song which does evoke genuine emotional pain in me, but not the type of emotional pain the song was going for. It is just painful to listen to. Um, and then before that, the penultimate track on the album, Undefeated, is mostly, you know, I wouldn't normally have talked about it because it's fairly consistent with a lot of the rest of the stuff on the album. It's not got anything too interesting musically. However, there is one lyric that needs to be discussed. He, as a part of the chorus in this song, uses the the line, Unbeatable 06, Adriano, which of course is a reference to Pez, uh, the, the Pro Evolution Soccer Games from, and the, the 2006 edition of the game in which Adriano, who was at Inter Milan at the time, had like insane shooting stats and was basically a cheat code for the whole game um this is a lyric that i well the first time i heard it i did firmly i i i hated it i thought it was possibly the worst lyric i'd ever heard um then the second time i listened to the song i thought it was a bad lyric uh and i recognized my my initial you know, sheer disgust for the the massive overreaction that it was, because yeah, you know, it's not a good lyric, really. 
but it's it's not you know it's nowhere near like that sort of upper echelon of of bad it's just a sort of overly cringeworthy reference to to something that is designed to sort of stir up some some sort of memories in 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 some of the fans and and just sort of be there as as quote unquote banter but it's not you know it's not horrible horrible and then the more i thought about it i th- i sort of thought that this is you know this is this line in particular i would say is analogous to a uh, uh someone like a former child actor for example um as as you got in the uh in the early 2010s when those sorts of disney channel actresses were were making their sort of solo music careers they would try to shed the image which had made them famous and obviously some did it successfully some didn't some did it in ways which benefited their careers some did it in ways which made them a laughing stock i think i i mean i might be reading too much into this because it's yeah i might be ludicrously overanalyzing here but i think that this pez line is sort of a, a way for KSI to, to to attempt to do something similar, you know, to to distance himself from that which made him, you know, in the position that he is. Because obviously, he started out mainly doing FIFA content. Obviously, always did some some other games as well, but got really got big off of off of FIFA. And I do think that this Pez line might be grasping to towards that as a as a concept. I don't think it's effective, but I, I think that might be what he's going for. And and if it is, I still don't think the lyric's good, but I find myself unable to to hate it if that is what he's going for. Um but again, who knows? Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. But now dissimulation. Should you listen to it? And the answer is, I do not know. Like, I can't in good conscience recommend a lot of this album. It's not, a lot of it's not great. Um, I think, you know, there's there's a lot here that, that really wouldn't fly in, in, in a lot of, you know, more established rappers' uh, catalogues. A, a lot of people would just go, no, 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 no. But there's sincerity behind it. I believe. I I, I would like to believe certainly that that he is you know, he's serious about about music. He's certainly a hell of a lot better than than most of the the big YouTubers who have tried to rap. You know, this is by no means as bad as as um, whichever Paul brother it was that did its everyday bro, like. Obviously, that would be a, a knee-jerk point of comparison for someone, especially given that the sort of intertwining um, you know, rivalry and 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 promotional stuff between you know, those two two sets of characters, um, you know, the, it's everyday bro is is probably something that jumps to to people's minds when they uh, they think about this record, and it's better than that. It's miles, miles, miles better than that. Because he clearly cares about rap, he clearly wants to be uh, wants to be taken seriously. And while I don't think it's it's good, I am 
giving it a, a review that I would give a, a rap album. I'm not, you know, this is not a, a, a joke review. This is not, yeah. And if it's made me manage to do that, maybe it is worth listening to, but only once because it's not great. But now we have two, uh, I've, I'm running long, long, long. I thought this first episode was going to go quite quickly because I don't have a guest and I've only got a few albums to talk about, but it's not. So two more albums. I am going to try and speed it up for a, for a couple of reasons. Um, which is that, for one thing, these albums only came out on Friday as I'm recording this. That was two days ago. So I haven't had as much time to get to grips with these as I have for the 1975, for Charlie, for KSI. Um, And secondly, they're not as interesting as those records. Uh, And I didn't think think the three of those were too interesting to begin with. Um, But on Friday, we had what I would put money on being next week's number one which is uh, chromatica by lady gaga and we also had the new diplo album which is diplo presents thomas wesley chapter one snake oil i think i'm going to start with i think i'm going to start with lady gaga chromatica um i was fairly mixed on this album um I'll start with the instrumentals because obviously it's the the self-titled part of the the record um and they're fine they are instrumental interludes they are pleasant enough they are not particularly memorable they are about what you would expect um much like the the uh, instrumentals were on the 1975's new record um maybe I'm just not an instrumental interludes guy maybe um, but unlike the 1975, which also had a large number of tracks on it, which you know, 22 there, uh, this record has 17, no, 16 tracks on it. Um, it is 43 minutes long. That, uh, for those of you who, who aren't perhaps quite so up on this stuff, 16 songs, 43 minutes, that's a streaming economy ratio. Most definitely. This is, you know, it does not need to be this long, the album. You know, the the, the songs themselves are, are quite short. Uh, nothing clocking in. There's one song that clocks in over four minutes. Um, and that's the one with Elton John on it, which we'll come on to in a bit. Uh, but most of the, the record is hovering around the three-minute mark. Uh, there's a couple of songs that go past three and a half and one that goes past four. Obviously, the instrumentals themselves are all a minute or less. Um, but yeah, that that sort of short songs and, and lots of them, that is what makes a streaming economy album. That is someone trying to utilise the, the sort of changing habits of, of consumers to their advantage, which you know, by itself is is no bad thing. As long as you're able to keep up a uh, a level of quality and, and not have the overall record suffer for it, that is not the case here. You know there are songs on this record that could easily be cut. You know it's 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 a good record to an extent. There are things on here that I like. However, it has other than the instrumentals, which, as I say, are, are, are very kind of 
pleasant and, and nice and, and fairly chilled sort of orchestrally things. Uh, apart from those, it has one gear, this album. Every song is the same. Um, not not in terms of lyrical content or, or themes, uh, by no means. It, you know, there are there are some wider range there, but, but musically these songs really follow a, a similar structure. Uh, a lot of them feel the same. And for that reason, two or three of these tracks could have been disposed of quite easily. I won't necessarily name names as far as which ones I would get rid of. Uh, I'll leave it up to, to you to decide, which I think is a, is another consequence of the album being so sort of interchangeable. Uh You'll come up with a different answer to me, I'm sure. But uh, there are so, there are some songs that stick out. Um, there are obviously three featured songs on this album. Rain On Me with Ariana Grande, Sour Candy with Blackpink, and Sign From Above with Elton John. And I think we'll start there. So, Rain On Me, Lady Gaga, Ariana Grande. It's good. That's it. It's good. There's no much. There's there's no interesting things to say. I really, I mean, I've listened to this song several times since it since it came out, and I just have not been able to to come up with with things that are are worth talking about. I mean, it's it's a good pop song from two of of pop's most, you know. Probably, probably as far as like mainstream, major, major label uh, pop is is concerned, not someone who's trying to, or, or who at least seems to to want to to come off a bit different, uh, like like a Charlie XCX, you know, excluding people like that. Uh, if you look at just pure down the middle pop, uh, which as much as Lady Gaga aesthetically might not be, I think musically is, um, in that in that arena. These are probably the two artists with the highest batting average at the moment. You know, they are consistently good. They release consistently good tracks. And you put the two of them together on a song and it's good. And it's good. And that's it. Like, there's not a lot else that I can I can say. Uh, unfortunately, because I, I do like both of the, uh, the artists and I, I would like to be able to say a bit more. But they haven't given you any more. Um, and then Sour Candy with with Blackpink. Now I have I've not been a K-pop person. I've not been on the uh, the K-pop train at any point really. Not because I've you know gone and listened to it and found it to be awful or anything. I've just never really taken the time to explore that sort of area of of music. So I think this is sort of the first. I think I've heard like one Blackpink song before. And that's that's it, uh, and fine. The feature is is decent, but unspectacular. It's it doesn't really. I mean, it adds to the song to, uh, a bit, but it it doesn't you know make the song or anything like like that. Um, what does make the song, however, and it, I still think it is probably one of my favourites on the album. What does make the song is the production. Because the 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 sort of synths you're getting here, the the sort of the the background uh, in this, I it, it is deeply, I would say it's deeply nostalgic. Um, 
because it reminds me of like 20 i would say 2011 this is what i'm getting because it's it's like it feels like the the actual it, it it's simultaneous actually there's sort of two callbacks i would say because i listened to this song and i was like where do i know that from where do i know it from the 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 sort of little riff in in the background here where do i know it from uh and after four or five listens to this track I went, oh, this is uh, you got to show me love, you know, Robin, Robin S, the the nineties house song. So I went and listened to that to to check it out, and it's not that's that's not correct. I was wrong. Um, but what it is, what it does sound like, is like a, a sort of dance song from two thousand eleven that itself was sampling, uh, a not not you got to show me love. Um, explicitly but but a song like that it's like a it it is like calling back to that sort of early 10s era where people were themselves sampling those sorts of late 80s to to early 90s house tracks um i love that type of production so uh so it works it works really well um and I think it probably is a, a highlight on the on the album as a whole. Um, another thing I want to want to talk about on this this record is the um, the track list in the sense of what have they done with the track list? Because I just before I sat down to record this, actually, I was talking to my my brother, and he mentioned that he had listened to to the album as well and, and he thought it was fine uh, nothing nothing to write home about but certainly not bad um, but he did mention something to me that I, I think I probably would say I, I agree with as well which is that the, the, the ordering was off Babylon is is the final track and it's a, it's a fun track it makes lyrically it makes no sense whatsoever uh, it doesn't work uh, you put a second of thought into it it doesn't work but that's fine. That's not necessarily what I come to these types of songs for. Um, and it's enjoyable, which is the main thing. Uh, it shouldn't be an album closer, though. It's it's not climactic in any way. Um, you know, there are, there are sort of... It's not different to what's on the album, really. It doesn't have a different vibe to it. I, I think there are three ways this album could have ended. And they chose none of them. Um, obviously, Chromatica, there are three instrumental interludes here, Chromatica 1, Chromatica 2, and Chromatica 3. Chromatica 1 opens the album. Why not finish on an instrumental? That's one option. And and that was the option that, that was brought up to me by my brother. And, and I can see where the argument for that is. Again, not necessarily how I would have chosen to end the album, but I wouldn't have had any complaints if it did. Option 2 have a massive tune at the end have something that is sort of really does build to a climax have a song where you show off your vocal ability that that we all know lady gaga has and babylon you know it's a i enjoy it it's an enjoyable song but it doesn't really show that off um and if you want to have you know this album i would say is more th- it is theatrical in a sense and to that extent you should finish on a on a climax um but they don't do that either and then obviously the third option would be to change gear 
for the final song and maybe to do something a bit slower a bit more emotional try and try and put something else into the music but they don't do that and they don't do that anywhere on this record because it is just wall-to-wall sort of big pop tunes um which is exhausting it's not like 43 minutes of that is not a sustainable re-listenable thing or it's not for me at least but you know none of the songs are none of the songs are, are really bad enough to to be worth negatively highlighting with one exception which is stupid love i do not like what they do the the sort of vocal stitch ups they do here i do not like the chorus the verses are fine but just that that sort of background manipulated vocal stuff is is again great it's not nearly as grating as what i was discussing earlier in the in the charlie review but it's not good it's not enjoyable it it does sort of nails on the chalkboard to me at least but if it doesn't have that reaction for you you'll probably like stupid love or at least tolerate it so i, I can't even in good conscience say oh there are so many things wrong with this that everyone would dislike it because you won't probably uh this i think is a me problem um <laughs> but yeah again recommendations lady gargoyle is there a point i think by this this time in her career you know, she's been a really prominent musical figure for more than a decade now you know what you think about lady gargoyle by now if you don't then check the record out if you don't have an opinion, then give it a listen. If you've made your mind up one way or the other, it isn't going to change it. You know, you're not going to come in as a Gaga fan and go, this is awful, I want my money back, I'm done with her, I don't want to listen to the next album. It's sucked up all my interest and just flushed it down the loo. You're not going to be like that. If you find Lady Gaga to be just insufferable uh, on a musical level, Regardless of what you think about her off stage, uh, or, you know, her persona out of the uh, out of the booth and that, like uh, that's that's I don't think should be relevant to your enjoyment of her music necessarily. But um, if you find her music to be grating and annoying and not nearly as uh, as sort of interesting as as it's perhaps given the uh, the treatment of sometimes then you won't like this record. It won't It won't change you into a Lady Gaga fan. But yeah, I'd say it's worth checking out unless you already have that sort of preconceived notion against it because this is not a record to change minds. This is a record from someone who knows her fans, knows what they want, and is delivering it. She is, you could say, serving. Um, I'm never saying that again. Uh, no, but... Um, that's that's Lady Gaga. You know, you get what you get. But now, finally, we are coming to the end of this episode. I've gone so long. I was not expecting this. But to finish us off, we have a review of the new Diplo album. It's bad. It's really bad. It may actually be the worst album I've heard this year. I haven't heard that many albums this year, but it's probably the worst. Yeah, this is, I mean, Diplo is, is trying to, to capitalise on the, the sort of appetite 
that that people expected Old Town Road to generate for for sort of new takes on country music, um, more interesting sort of developments of of that genre to include elements of you know electronic or trap or, or whatever. But obviously Diplo being a, a producer, he is more focused on on that side of things. Uh, and, and trying to bring those sort of electronic elements into the genre. But but he isn't really. Like, there isn't a lot in here that, that is that. A lot of it is, like, fairly standard country pop. Or, or just pop music, occasionally. Like, it doesn't really... Even in the, the, the sort of vibe that is stated by the cover and... And the vibe that we expected from Diplo once he appeared in the Old Town Road video, dressed like a, dressed like a cowboy. I think we all knew something like this was coming, or at least I I expected it. And now that it's here, I never want to listen to it again. There is so much in this record that I dislike. Um, firstly, he puts a, a a remix of Old Town Road at the end um, in May two thousand and twenty. Uh, this is not needed anymore. We know Old Town Road. You know this is just something you're tacking on to add a bit of popularity to it. This is like when Eminem put Venom on on the uh, the Kamikaze album. Uh, it doesn't add anything. It just adds another layer of insincerity to what is already a deeply cynical album. I, I don't for a second believe that, that this is coming from a, a genuine place. Um, and maybe that's wrong of me to say. Maybe I, I shouldn't be so judgmental. But at the same time, he put Blanco Brown on here. Yeah, Blanco Brown, who who made the get-up, which is like uh, the first attempt to sort of corporatize and, and, and put out uh, a, a label-approved, industry-backed version of Old Town Road. And it's god-awful, and it makes me want to die. And he is on this track, he's on this album with a track called Dosey Do, which, among a, a collection of, of lowlights, is one of the lowest. You know, there's, there aren't any real highlights on this album other than the, young, the one with Young Thug on it, which is only a highlight because you remember that Young Thug exists like it's it's not his performance isn't great on it you listen to it and you go you could do so much better but then for the rest of that song you're at least remembering that better songs exist you don't get that on the rest of the album there's nothing else on here that reminds even reminds me of anything good at least when young thug comes on you can go you made stunner and now you're doing this but you at least remember stunner exists like that's something, I suppose. This is what the album's done to me. This is how desperate it's made me for, for anything. Um, it's it's boring. A lot of it is incredibly boring. Um, I don't even want to talk about like most of these songs. Um, they are just terrible. Yeah, there, there's nothing in here. I mean, Hometown with, with Zach Brown and, and Daniel Bradbury is like... At least okay, because Zach Brown is is still a compelling presence to an extent. I don't really like a lot of the stuff I've heard from Zach Brown, but you know who he is, and he has a personality. Whereas the rest of the features on here, Morgan Wallen, who you know that's that's someone 
just flatline. Just nothing there. The Jonas Brothers. Terrible. Just why? Why would you do this? Uh, Thomas Rhett and Young Thug. Again, Dance With Me is, is the the best song on the album. And they at least give performances that sort of aren't just another blob in this this formless just mess um and then the next feature blanco brown awful yeah it stands out but in a very very negative way uh and then there's what noah cyrus julia michaels ben burgess like just no presence here nothing nothing to break through um and, and it holds your interest for even a moment. Um, however, actually, that is so, sort of a lie. Because the Julia Michaels song does have a moment, or, or has several moments in this song, that have kept me really, really interested. Which is me trying to figure out if this actually samples Let Her Go by Passenger or not. Because I can't find... Like, I managed to find the liner notes for this album online. Um... And the guy from Passenger, either as Passenger or under his real name, does not have a writing credit on here. Who Sampled has no information about this album yet, which, yeah, fair enough, it only came out two days ago, so that's understandable. Um, But it really, really sounds like they have sampled Let Her Go by by Passenger, Um, because it is that same annoying riff that, that you have in that song. Um, and I, that, that's the most interesting thing in, in the entire album, other than the fact that he got Young Thug on here, um, is did he sample this artist? Is he giving credit to this artist, artist he sampled if so, or is Diplo going to get sued? And that is the sum total of what interested me about this record. Don't listen to it. Like I'm, I'm, I don't like necessarily... You know, I don't want to tell you what to do per se. Yeah, these are these are obviously my opinions, and if you want to 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 let that be a, a guide, I I can't stop you. But I certainly am not the the be all end all of this stuff. But this is so cynical, so just deliberate and, and measured that I really think it's not worth listening to. Even for a for you know a a joke, it's not it's not so bad. It's funny. There's nothing like that in here. Um, it's not some sort of harbinger of of any trend like people thought Old Town Road might be. Obviously, Old Town Road was a good song. Um, which that's another point. If you haven't heard the Diplo remix of Old Town Road yet, it's not worth listening to this album for. It's not great. It's not as good as, as any of... You know, it's not as good as the original version. It's not as good as the Billy Ray Cyrus version. It's not as good as some of the other remixes out there. Don't bother. Um, yeah, there, there's nothing here. There's nothing here that's worth listening to. It's not going to influence anything. It's not going to make any waves. And on its own merits, it falls completely flat. I wasn't expecting to give a negative review this week, to be honest. But there we are. Uh, mostly mixed to positive, um, you know, mixed on KSI, everything else edging towards the positive, I would say. Okay, that is everything that we have to talk about this week. 
I was going to talk about the new Queen Herbie EP. Um, I don't have too much to say on it other than give it a listen. It's it's pretty good. I wouldn't want to go too much more in depth uh, than that. But um, that's my recommendation of the week that I haven't reviewed. Um, next week, we will be back uh, again. Um, and I'll either have a guest if I if I can come up with something decent. Or if I don't, uh, it'll be me reviewing a couple of albums. It'll be a, a shorter episode that time around because um, obviously less to, to catch up on. Um, but yeah, thank you all for listening. This has been the first episode of The Copping Mechanism. I'm your host, Will Copping, and uh, goodbye. <laughs>